Despite being a massive demographic segment in this country, millennials have become a bit of a punchline. You practically can't go a day without stumbling along a mocking story about an industry or a trend that's being killed by millennials. But despite taking a lot of flack from Gen Xers, me included, and baby boomers, things aren't so peachy for those born from the early 80s to the late 90s. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at how millennials are falling behind compared to those who came before them, how that's actually impacting society more broadly, and what they may want done to help fix the problem. Just one note before we get to our conversation. If you want to get every episode of this podcast to your phone or your tablet, so you don't miss any of the great Canadian stories we have on offer, make sure to head on over to your favorite podcasting app, like Apple Podcasts, and tap the subscribe button. Leave us a review, tell your friends about us. Vito Polisi is a journalist with the Ottawa Citizen. So, Vito, millennials are often the butt of jokes on social media that people say they're lazy and entitled, that they don't care about anything, and are more willing to spend money on something like avocado toast than save for a home. But as your story shows, things aren't all so rosy for this generation of 18 to 34 year olds, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, in the avocado toast thing is a, is a good um, example of an, uh, I guess, an observation or a, uh, some sort of a story that's been spun and uh, isn't necessarily true, which is why if you're going to take a look at the challenges that are facing this demographic, you need to look at hard data and sort of leave uh, observational uh, impressions that are being made out of the picture. Um, so we turn to data from Statistics Canada. Despite all of kind of this idea of this uh, carefree group, this is a group that's worried about kind of where they're at in the country and where they're at in society and where they're at with their future. What are the data showing you? The first thing that we see is uh, that they've seen real wage stagnation since, uh, since well, 1980 and going back even further than that. But we kind of used 1980 because we figured we'd gone back far enough. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look and you adjust for today's dollar, uh, which I think is important because when we talk about uh, the wages, we should be comparing apples to apples. And if we look back at 1980, that demographic, 18 through 35, and they weren't necessarily millennials there, but they were a demographic. Yeah. They were making on average uh, $34,200 a year. If we take a look at that same demographic in 2016, which is the most recent year for which we have data, they were making on average $34,300 a year, which is a difference of $100 in, in real dollars. It's not much of an increase. How does that compare no, to the other groups? That's where things get even more interesting because if you look at the 35 through 50 demographic, we see that in uh, that same year, in 1980, they were making on average 49500 And if you jump up to uh, 2016, they saw a jump up to 57200 which is a $7,700 jump. Uh, and then if you look at the even older demographic of 51 through 65, average salaries in 1980 were $46,700. Again, that's adjusted for today's, today's money. Mm -hmm. uh, and that jumps up to $54,700 a year by 2016, which is an $8,000 increase. So at a time when you know the price of everything is steadily marching upwards, and we're talking about food and houses and cars... Um, the, that millennial demographic, that 18 through 35, uh, has 
quite literally been left behind because they've seen wage stagnation and they've seen no real opportunity to increase the amount of money that they're bringing in. Why is it that we're seeing this kind of, on one hand, the, the wage stagnation, but also this growing gap between people in that younger demographic who today we'd call millennials uh, and older generations? Well, there seems to be I guess in in one sense, history is kind of repeating itself in that the millennials, from a sheer number perspective, are making up the largest demographic that we've seen since the baby boomers. And actually next year, I think in the United States next year, they're going to outnumber the baby boomer demographic entirely. There's about 9 million of them right now in Canada, which makes them among the largest voting blocks, which means they have the ability right now to start swaying, um, I guess, public policy in their favor. They just haven't turned up at the at the uh, the ballot box but I, going back to the numbers when you have that many people at that stage in life trying to do something all at the same time it presents an interesting opportunity for employers which uh, allows them to pick and choose who they're going to give a job to it also allows them to dictate the salary to those people because they can no longer go into that employer and say if you want me it's going to cost X dollars, mm -hmm. because the problem is when you got when you got nine million other out there who are willing to do the job, those wages don't have to increase like they once uh, did. And then the other issue is because they're all in that similar stage of life, they're all trying to do things at the same time, which include buying houses, mm -hmm. which is where you start to see the price of housing uh, march upwards in you know it to historic levels too. So there's there's a real whirlwind of factors. It, it's an, it's a difficult issue to unpack, but it seems like when you when you look at everything from a top down perspective, even from their educations, they've all graduated from university, or a vast majority of them have, anyways. So mm -hmm. they're all coming out with with these uh, high caliber educations, which creates a need in the market for even higher caliber educations, which is why we're seeing this arms race for things like master's degrees and PhDs and, you know, 10 years in school in order to get an entry level job within an accounting firm. Yeah, it used to be that it, in a lot of careers, you could go in to work for a bank right out of high school. My dad did that. Right. And then over time, you could work your way up. I, I believe that you talked to David Coletto from Abacus Data for Abacus Research for your your piece, and he was talking about his father having a grade 12 education and retiring as a, a corporate vice president. But nowadays, you're expected to be able to get a good job to go and get a four-year degree. Um, and even after that, there's not a guarantee that you're going to be able to get a job in that field. Is it a case that we're uh, getting degrees in, in areas that don't mesh with where jobs are at now? Well, that's first off, it was Linda Duxbury who had that, um, that experience, uh, not, not David. I did speak to David for the piece. Secondly, um, it is definitely a case where, uh, we're seeing an awful lot of people get graduating and then going back to school to get an education in a field that's actually relevant. Um, one of the issues that could come up or, or should should be addressed, uh, at least in speaking to people who are dealing with this issue right now, is whether or not universities should be curtailing uh, educations in certain areas. Um, they don't need to be pumping out the number of arts graduates that they are. Uh, they don't need to be pumping out in in well, for for an example, there was a few years ago where we had a, an abundance of teachers, and they started limiting the number of people who were going into teachers' college. That was a concerted effort that was made by schools across the country, 
And and there's a lot of people who are saying that if the schools are going to educate people, they should be educating them into streams that are demanding talent. And when, you know, from a business reporting background, when I go and I speak to companies, there are a lot of areas, um, particularly in high tech, where they are struggling to find people um, to 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 fill job positions and they're talking about an increase to immigration in order to fill those jobs because they need people who can do them right now. And it seems like there's almost this disconnect between the schools and the the companies and the talent that's needed 5, 10, 15 years from now so that we can start tailoring people to go into those areas and sort of scale back on the areas that are being phased out. So we have a case of a lot of highly educated young people in Canada competing for a smaller pool of jobs in sectors that don't have as much demand, correct? Correct. And so you're seeing these graduates winding up working lower wage jobs with less security or trying to work their way through the gig economy and they're not making the kind of money they'd hope for and then they can't turn around and buy things like a home or a car or anything that traditionally would be seen as markers of major life events, right? Yeah. Well, the gig economy is only part of it, right? What we're seeing is we're seeing because they're spending longer in school, life decisions are being pushed out longer than they ever have. Mm -hmm. And because they're, because their wages stagnated, whereas the price of everything else has increased, they're spending longer trying to amass, I guess, the means that they need to make those major, um, life or to meet those major life markers right yeah so so when we take a look at when they're actually leaving home you're seeing 35 year olds 40 year olds starting it out and buying their first homes and and it's simply because everything has been delayed by the fact that there's been this massive competition yeah and it's affecting them it's affecting them in in these ways there's there's more competition they have to amass more money than they've ever had before and one of the things that that we are seeing for the ones that do get out, I guess, a bit earlier than than their uh, compatriots, is um, that they're being helped out by their parents, which which is another interesting issue in itself. Because um, what the data shows is because they have kids living at home longer, baby boomers are less likely to retire at the ages of 55 and 60. I mean, do you remember the whole Freedom 55 mantra, right? That is gone. I haven't seen Nobody's those commercials in that forever. Anymore. Yeah. Right, right. So now, and even at the age of 65, what they're finding is that a lot of the baby boomers who have good jobs, I mean, the jobs that I, I guess a lot of the millennials are looking for or at least need to be vacated so that they can move up the corporate ladder, they're not leaving and they're not leaving because A, they've gotten used to a certain lifestyle. B, they've got kids at home who, who they're supporting or they've got kids in university going back for their second and sometimes even third degree and they, they need that job. Or they're finding that as, uh, as, you know, as our lives continue and, and medicine progresses the way that it is, that they hit the age of 65, 66, 67 and they still feel great and they don't need to retire. So with the baby boomers delaying retirement, they're actually acting as a cork on this bottle for millennials, right? So mm -hmm. the advancement up the corporate ladder, the opportunities aren't there. So they've got all this competition and infighting for you know, a handful of jobs that are there. There's no movement on the corporate ladder because the boomers aren't retiring. And it just creates more of a problem for this 18 through 35-year-old demographic that are trying to, to do what every generation before them has done.
We'll be right back. We're approaching the best part of the NHL season. Coming out of the All-Star break, there'll be a ton of trade talk as teams load up to make a push to the playoffs. And we all know that hockey fans will be keeping an eye on the wildcard race, not to mention which coaches or GMs could get bounced from their jobs early. With so much going on in the NHL, you want a little more news and a deeper look at the playoff picture. We've got it with the Off the Post podcast. Our team of hockey experts joins host Paul Chapman for a deep dive on the big issues in the NHL. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Now, when you you mentioned the baby boomers, they were a massive demographic group 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Did they face similar struggles that millennials are facing now? No, they didn't. Why is that? They will tell you that they did because everybody has, I guess, a a perspective on how tough it was to get started. And I'm not going to debate that the baby boomers did not have their fair share of challenges. But the one thing that the baby boomers did have was that they had wage growth for every single stage of uh, of their lives. They saw their salaries start low and continue to grow. Whereas today's 18 through 35 year olds have not seen that. And what they have seen is they've seen an increase in the price of everything that they need to buy. And if you take a look at, at like a perfect example is if you take a look at housing, and I have that stat in front of me, the average price of a house in Canada in 1980 was $203,000. In in real today. That's adjusted for today's dollars, correct? That's in today's dollars. Wow. By 2016, that price hit $506,000. And that demographic, now that demographic that we talked about has seen no wage growth, and yet they're expected to pay two and a half times more for an average home. The baby boomers didn't have those problems. And what mm-hmm. the baby boomers will say is, well, one day we're going to sell our house and we're going to pass it on to our kids. And that's, I've been getting a lot of emails from people saying that's the wealth transfer is something you haven't looked into. And the article that we ran actually addressed the wealth transfer. Because while there is this massive transfer of wealth that's coming from that demographic down to their kids, it only applies in areas of the country where they saw real growth as far as Housing prices are concerned. If you're somebody who lived in Markham and you had a family that lived in Markham or Richmond Hill or downtown Toronto, where houses right now are selling for a million plus, and your parents got in in the 80s for $200,000, that's quite the windfall for you and anybody else in your family. Mm -hmm. But if you're in like rural New Brunswick, if you're in PEI, if you're in parts of uh, Alberta, uh, Northern Ontario, housing prices have not increased to the same extent. Your parents would have got in for eighty to a hundred thousand, and those houses are barely worth two hundred thousand today. So now we start to talk about the wealth gap, right? Mm-hmm. And when you when you speak to experts, and and there were some that were mentioned inside the story, they keenly point out that that wealth transfer is only good for people who come from wealthy families. So when you're getting back to David Coletto, and this is the really interesting thing. He runs all of these surveys for the millennial demographic. He's going through more than 4,000 people on an annual basis. He pushes out numbers on a monthly basis. There's a number of uh, rather radical ideas that this upcoming demographic has with regards to how they want to see wealth treated moving forward. They don't mind higher taxes. They don't mind debt spending by government, which is a big problem for baby boomers. They want to see 
massive increases in estate taxes. And they point to things like, like this idea, which is being floated in the US, which is seeing a 70% tax on the highest earners in the country. These are all perfectly acceptable ideas for the millennial demographic, which is a real political shift, at least from the, um, the things that we've been seeing in recent years as far as politics are concerned. Yeah. And you point to that 70% uh, marginal tax rate in the US, like that, that's being floated by someone who's seen as kind of the symbolic millennial politician, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Correct. Taking one step back, do we know why baby boomers didn't face the same workplace competition? Was it just that there was so much more economic growth within North America at that time and job growth? If you take a look at the way that jobs were back then, manufacturing was massive. The, uh, the Industrial Revolution was, was in full swing. In particular, after the war, there was a huge uptake in making things. And you needed labor in order to do that. And anybody could get a job either either with making textiles, making automotive parts, making military weaponry, especially in the United States. They had a rather large industry doing that. And what happened? We saw automation take away a lot of those jobs. So if you take a look at, and this wasn't in the story, but if you take a look at statistics, they will show you that in North America today, we're actually manufacturing more stuff real stuff than we've ever manufactured before. The difference is that it's being done by robots. Hmm. So if you take all of those jobs away, now what we need are we need jobs inside the knowledge economy. We need jobs in intellectual property. We need, we need people who, who are trained to, to think about how to build things. We need to create processes. We need to create uh, services. The service economy is a big one. If you look here in Ottawa, Shopify has taken off uh, huge they now employ close to a thousand people if they're not over a thousand. And that's just in creating online stores for people to sell stuff. Mm -hmm. These are the jobs of the future, but you also need fewer, you also need fewer of them than, than the baby boomers did. Okay. So you have this group who feel that policy needs to change in order to make things better generally for them and for the future. They want, higher taxes, they don't mind debt spending, they want uh, greater taxes on wealth or on uh, inheritances, capital gains. If there's such a big demographic, why haven't we seen some of those changes yet? Well, that's that's the interesting question, right? And if you take a look at their participation when it comes to voting, it's been abysmal. And you, you started to see some of their influence, uh, at least in the last federal election. Okay. One of the things that the Trudeau government floated was uh, the legalization of cannabis. And if you went and you took a look at the statistics, that issue didn't resonate with anybody outside of the 30, 18 through 35 demographic. That was tailored to them. And then we saw what happened with regards to that election. It actually had a significant number of millennials come out and vote. The problem, if you speak to anybody in the demographic, they'll say the politicians aren't talking to me. They're not telling me anything that I want to hear. And my vote doesn't count because they're all saying the same thing. And we're seeing that start to change. For the first time, I think it was a few days, it was last week, it was last Thursday, we saw uh, Finance Minister Bill Morneau say that he will be making uh, affordable housing for the millennial demographic specifically a campaign issue heading into next year's federal election. We saw 
Jagmeet Singh with the NDP say that he's going to make affordable housing an, a, a, an issue heading into the federal election for next year. He's speaking directly to the millennial demographic as well. We can expect more and more of this as these politicians wake up and realize that the demographic matters and they're starting to get to a point where they're they're fed up with the situation that they're in, which is going to push them to, to go and exercise their right to vote. Well, it is, it is fascinating, especially how when you pull one thread of this, you have other cumulative effects that, that come out. It's a, definitely an interesting feature and we're curious how it plays out in the election this year. Vito, thanks for your time. No, thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support this episode from Nicole Ferianchik. Thanks to my guest Vito Polisi. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.